top of the morning to ya, and welcome back to another episode of Life's a Garden. And of course, Happy St. Patrick's Day. One of my favorite holidays, the celebration of my countrymen. Uh, and if you don't recall, last year I had talked about how I didn't get to celebrate quite as festively as I had hoped to. So, I made the promise that this year, I'm going all out, baby, and you can take that to the bank. With that being said, I would be absolutely remiss not to remind everybody out there, please be responsible, drive safe, do not drink and drive, do not get in bar fights, let's have fun, let's enjoy the holiday, but let's also be responsible. With that being said, let's kick off the holiday week in the most traditional way possible by cracking us open a cold one and cheersing to you all. Thank you so much for joining me this week. We're going to have a good one. Let's get into it. It's episode 142 of Life's a Garden. Welcome back to another episode of Life's a Garden. Thank you so much for joining yet again. As soon as you are done listening to this episode, do yourself a favor. Go check out last week's episode with the old ones. That episode is doing crazy numbies right now because it was a it was a really good episode, honestly. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Clearly. It's gotten a lot of traction, and I love that. It's always it's always nice to see episodes just getting traction that I didn't pay for advertising on. Like it's all organic traction that it's gained just from posting it on different uh, different pages, and of course it helps that there were three of them, so all of their friends and family I'm sure are watching and things like that. Other members of the music community, nonetheless, great episode was an absolute pleasure to have those guys on the show. We'll gladly have them back on again. Plus, I'd love to get other bands on the show too. So, if any other bands out there watch that episode and would like to come on the show, hey, reach out. More than happy to have you. Love to be a platform where I can help uh gain attention to other musicians, other artists and just build this music scene that we've been working so hard to build. Other than that, you know, of course, always looking for other guests too, not just musicians, athletes, artists, things like that. So, hey, recommend people, recommend yourselves, whatever. Um, but here we are on a solo episode this week, which is always nice as well. It's nice to be able to just chill and chat with you guys and get some of the crazy thoughts out of my head. You know what I'm saying? And it is St. Patrick's Day week, so you know I had to I had to show up for that. I had to. I don't know if I could have done a guest episode this week, having had 
the St. Patrick's Day celebrations coming up. It's it's going to be a busy week, I'll tell you that. I got my buddy's birthday on Thursday, got St. Patrick's Day on Friday, going to be hungover as shit on Saturday, then got to go to a child's birthday party, plus we got UFC fights this weekend. Quick turnaround for UFC. We had UFC fights this last weekend, and now right away this upcoming weekend. We'll get into that later. I did want to say this. I was hoping, hoping that on this episode, I would be able to announce to you all that I am now officially going to Ireland because I had, dude, how irritating can technology be? It's the most convenient thing in the world, yet the most uncomprehensibly frustrating and I just... Hear me out. Okay, so I, I got the tickets booked, right? Like, I, I, I filled out all the shit because you got to fill out all this information. Then, you know, this is one of those flights where we're, we got to go on three flights. We got to go to Denver. We got to go somewhere else. And then we get to go to Ireland. So I got to pick seats on all of these flights, right? First of all, I'm searching for the cheapest flights. The Well, not even the cheapest flights. The most reasonably priced And then also you got to look at the time, like what time do I got to get up and get to the airport? Things like that. So did all that. uh, Fucking had to pick our seats. And, you know, I got to, I'm zooming all around. I'm checking all of them for prices and shit. I want some that have leg room because the flight from here to, from, from the East coast to Ireland is like seven hours. So I'm going to have a little leg room for seven hours. It wouldn't even let me try first class. It, it was like, nah, fuck you. You don't even get an option. You know, this, the flight there, they got the sleeper cabs. And I was like, hell, let me see the price on that. If it's reasonable enough, I'll do it. I bet they're like $1,000, if not more. So probably glad that I didn't have the option. Nonetheless, kind of insulting that they didn't give me the option. So I go through all of this. I'm, I'm telling you, it took me 20, 30 minutes just to get to the end. I plug in my information, and it says, your transaction has been rejected by your bank. Please call your financial institute and have this resolved. Now, it's understandable that that would happen, considering these aren't cheap, okay? It's a large chunk coming out at one time. But my bank clearly didn't get the memo that wouldn't make a fucking dent. So, I gotta, I gotta update them on that information. You'd think, you would think there'd be a percentage of your account that can only be taken out at one time, but I'm sure it's just a solid number. And that's fine, okay? I'm not bitching about it because... Yeah, that's a lot of money to come out, and it's suspicious. I wouldn't want that that large of a number coming out all at once that wasn't being transacted by me. Oh, oh my mail just got dropped off. I thought somebody was knocking on my door. I'm like, what the fuck? Okay, anyway. Now I gotta be pissed at the postal service for interrupting the podcast. The airline service, the banking industry, all of them are just irritating me today. But, yeah, so 
so now I got to go to the bank. I got to I got to let them know, "Hey, wouldn't make a dent, okay? It's all good. Approve. Approve." Because now, who knows, in 2 days, those ticket prices might be up a couple hundred bucks. And I didn't want that. So we'll see. Like I said, I was hoping I was going to break the news today that it's on. The trip's on. It's official. But now I got to wait till Monday. So, we'll see. Uh, nonetheless, excited about that. It's going to happen. Like, it's, 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 all, it's everything but official at this point. So, we're going to do it. I just got to get this. Flights ain't cheap, man. Flights are not cheap. And I keep telling myself, I'm like, even, I'm still, I still have that frugal mind from being poor my whole life. I got a little extra scratch now that I can afford to do this stuff, but God damn it all if it doesn't just pierce me in my gut to, to spend large quantities of money in one sitting. But I've put it in my mind that, like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime trip. Like, who knows when I'll ever do this again, if I'll ever do this again. You know? It's like, I could just not do it and then never do it. So why not do it, right? Like, you got to pull the trigger sometimes, and you got to make shit happen. So I very, I very confidently convinced myself to not let this, to not let my, my frugality, frugazy, get in the way. So it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. Um, yeah, we, we, we literally just, so February has come and gone. The snow's still here. Uh, we say goodbye to Black History Month, and now we come into the absolute whitest holiday of them all. And I say that, I say it's the whitest holiday because the Irish are undoubtedly the whitest creatures on this planet, okay? We're, we're blotchy, we're, we're, we're so white, we're transparent sometimes. Like, think of a more pale group of people. Maybe the Scandinavians, because they got the blonde hair. But, I mean, anybody who's redheaded understands the absolute... Uh, it, it, it's, it's quite... It's quite inconvenient sometimes to to be translucent. We're ghostly. We're go we're ghostly people, okay? And so and people fear us. They think that we're specters in the night. And so <laughs> the whole soulless thing, it's not exactly off. The redhead thing, the whole soulless redhead thing, it's not exactly off. Not wrong. But um I wanted to use that as a nice transition to say to 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 move into this because I I got to talk about this Kendrick Perkins Nikola Jokic shit, okay? I'll say up front, I am going to be 100% biased in this, okay? Because I am a Denver Nuggets fan, I am a Nikola Jokic fan. Um and if you had noticed, I'm white, okay? For anybody who's not aware of the situation, Kendrick Perkins first off started by by saying that Jokic is is stat padding. It was like a little jab to say that he's been boosting his stats, getting because he's he's 
scoring like a shit ton of triple doubles, which is not easy. Just to put in perspective, he's a center. He's seven foot one or seven foot two, something like that. He's huge. Centers are not supposed to get triple doubles, okay? They're either supposed to be good at, they're usually just good at rebounding and blocking, okay? Scoring sometimes, but when you're a scoring center, you're, most centers are always good at rebounding, but assisting, pretty much never. You'd be hard-pressed to find a center who can assist the way Jokic does. So he was accusing him of stat padding. God bless J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick, who came out and defended Jokic with absolute body slams of analytics. Uh, talking about how Jokic opens up the floor, how he's, how he's basically made it so everyone around him is better. And how we've won every time he's gotten a triple-double. So it's not like he's just out there boosting stats on losing games. We're winning these games. So how, how, the, the fact that the, the thought of him pat, stat-padding is ridiculous. Okay, that's the first things first. Then Kendrick Perkins comes out and accuses the NBA of racially... Be, of okay, how, how do I put this? They um racially motivated to make Jokic MVP is what he was saying. He brought up that Dirk Nowitzki and Steve Nash in the past, which are the the last two white guys to win MVP in the last thirty years, I might add. Steve Nash won back to back. Dirk Nowitzki won once, and now Jokic has won back to back, and he's on course to getting his third. He'd be the fourth ever guy to get three MVPs in a row. But he brought up this whole idea that Dirk Nowitzki, uh, Steve Nash, and Jokic, in Jokic's first season, did not, or Jokic's first season as MVP, did not get, uh, they, they weren't top 10 in scoring, okay? But he, 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 he said in the last 30 years, if you go 31 years ago, uh, no, he said since 1990, Magic Johnson was not first in scoring the year before that. So his whole logic is he's race baiting is what he's doing. He's making this whole thing about race and, and it's so asinine in the first place. It's asinine to even think about much less ignorant. It's just ignorant to even say such a thing. It's. It's literally, like, the only reason I can think of it, the only reason I can even think that this is being brought up, for one, it makes headlines, right? Like, division and controversy and things like that makes headlines. So, I'm not so sure this is just a straight-up Kendrick Perkins thought, much less an ESPN, like, pushing a narrative and trying to, like, make something... Because, look at it. I'm talking about it, right? Everybody's talking about it. So it, it would make sense that that's why you would make that a big deal. The other reason I can think, first of all, Jokic is a very unathletic looking guy. He's a European uh, kind of pudgy guy, and he's absolutely fucking dominating. He's been dominating for three years, and now the Nuggets are the number one team in the West, okay? So he's progressively getting better. And I and I think first of all as athletes, a lot of these guys are 
pissed off watching a non-athletic guy, like, who appears to be a non-athletic guy. He's athletic as fuck. He just doesn't appear athletic. I think they're getting frustrated by that. By that this guy is just absolutely mopping the floor with them. And second of all, I think a lot of these guys are getting irritated that a white guy is dominating a predominantly black sport. Basketball has always kind of been like the hierarchy of black sports. You know what I mean? Like, especially on the coasts, it's very popular. It's, it's always been very dominated by, by African-Americans. Because, uh, just, I think because typically they're taller. I don't know exactly. Maybe it's just because it's culturally more of a sport that they are ingrained into, right? Football, obviously, is in there as well. Uh, but basketball has always kind of been known as a predominantly black sport. And, they, and I just f- get this subtle feeling, and I'm sure it's, I mean, definitely true of some people. I'm not saying all, but there's got to be some athletes, some, some black basketball players who look at that and just can't stand the fact that this European white guy who doesn't look athletic is beating the absolute dog shit out of everybody. Not everybody. He's the man, okay? And yes, there are other guys who, who are in contention for MVP. Rightfully so. To say that this is being racial, it just, it sickens me to think that they're going to, they're trying to diminish everything that Nikola Jokic has done on the court and for his team. They're trying to diminish it by saying his awards are being handed to him because he's white. That just, that just sucks, man. It's like, he is, the numbers prove. He is dominating. You can't take that away. Numbers do not fucking lie. And, and so you're going to point out the one stat that he suffers in, which is defense, okay? Yes, I understand Joel Embiid is a much more dominant defender. Is he an all-around offensive guy? No. He can score like a motherfucker. He rebounds like centers are supposed to. He can't assist. He doesn't immediately make every player on the field better. His shot percentage is worse than Nikola Jokic. He might have more points. His shot percentage is not. His free throw percentage is not as good. His three-point percentage is not as good. And his overall field goal percentage is not as good. So, how's those for numbers, okay? I have nothing against Joel Embiid. I think he's a very talented basketball player. But to diminish what Jokic is doing in these last three years by saying that because he's white, he's getting favored, he wouldn't be getting favored if he wasn't, like, he wouldn't be even in the conversation if he wasn't playing the way he's playing. Not to mention, it also sucks because there is not a more humble person in all of sports than Nikola Jokic. He is the, he is the, the epitome of humility. He, he doesn't care about awards. He wants to win a championship for the team. He doesn't even want to win it for him. He wants to win it for everyone else. And so it just sucks that they have to make this a whole race thing. Here's a thought for you. Here's just a little nugget of a thought. A very predominantly white sport is golf. 
Who would you consider to be the greatest golfer of all time? Tiger Woods is almost hands down the greatest. And if he's not the greatest, he's up there in the conversation, okay? I don't follow golf that much, but everybody knows who Tiger Woods is. And I don't think it's any stretch of the imagination to say that golf is predominantly white. And you know who, who gives a rat's ass about, about, or you, you know who, you know, who, here, better yet, here's a better way of saying this. You know who's out there complaining that Tiger Woods is the best? Nobody. Nobody gives a hoot. Nobody's, nobody's crying over it. Nobody's upset about that. There's nobody who's upset about Tiger Woods being number one. We, people love it. People love Tiger Woods. And his son is on his course to being right up there too. And we're cheering him along. The, the way you stop racism is by not focusing on it. Like, I, like and that probably sounds weird out of context. But when you stop making everything racial, it'll stop being racial. Do you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? If you stop, everybody's like, we need to not see color. We need to start looking at people like people. I agree. You know who doesn't do that? Everybody who brings it up and makes it a big deal. Who's like, Nikola Jokic is, like, this is racist. Or, or, oh, we need more blackhead coaches. Like, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I bet you it wouldn't be a big deal if you didn't make it a big deal. Right? Like, I understand, like, I've talked about this before. Representation, all for it. I'm absolutely all for it. That's why sports is the great equalizer. Sports is straight, it shows, it proves who the best person is. Numbers do not lie, okay? That's a fact. Nobody denies that LeBron James is the greatest, or, okay, LeBron or Kobe, or LeBron, Kobe, Michael Jordan. Nobody's arguing that. So, like, we're not going to make that a racial issue. Why would we? Numbers don't lie. They've proven to be great. So why would, like, uh, it just irritates me. It's so frustrating because just when you feel like things are starting to get better, people just can't help themselves but, but make it a problem, right? And in sports, like I said, sports is supposed to be the great equalizer. We're supposed to, you don't judge people on their, on their skin color or their, or their sexual orientation or anything other than their raw talent. That's why when people get caught using steroids and supplements, that's like the worst offense you can make in sports because you're cheating others from their physical abilities type of thing. Because the only thing that matters in sports is your, your uh, talent, your skill, nothing else. Should nothing else should matter at least, but yet they go ahead and keep, you know, who's pissed like, you know, historically in football, the greatest quarterbacks of all time have been white. Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, the list goes on. Who's upset that, that Patrick Mahomes is like on his way to being one of the best of all time. Me only because he's a chief, but I'm not pissed that he, because he's him, he, I'm not going to deny him his talent. I would never, 
It's it's on it's written in stone. So that's all I got to say about that. It's just it was a big topic in the news lately. So I had to and especially when it's it's involving one of my favorite players like on the team that I root for. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to talk about it. Cheers to JJ Redick though. Hey, JJ Redick backing up like he fully came out and just crushed Kendrick Perkins. Fuck Kendrick Perkins for what he's trying to do. Ah, that's a good beer. I need to stop holding it. I'm warming it up. Ooh, yeah. It's getting to be a warm beer real quick. Um, moving forward, let's keep talking some sports real quick since we're on the topic. Uh, Jake Paul lo- finally lost to Tommy Fury, okay? Now, I was on the Jake Paul hate train for a good while because he's annoying and I just thought it was all gimmicky. But I've come around to the fact that Jake Paul is very clearly a serious athlete. And he's very and he takes boxing very seriously. I believe that. It shows in the fact that he had a very close fight with Tommy Fury, who comes from a historic boxing family and has been boxing since he was very young. And Jake Paul stood right there with him. It was a split decision. I didn't watch the fight. Um, so I don't know what happened. But that's not the point I want to make on this. The point I want to make is this whole idea that sports are scripted is <laughs> like i've i've been one of those guys who has humored conspiracy theories before like i'll you'll hear something crazy a crazy conspiracy theory i'm one of those guys who sometimes leans in i'll sometimes kind of oh that kind of makes sense you know this is one of those ones where i when I, i'm like I can see what everybody who is totally against conspiracy theories feels. Because in my mind, if you truly believe that sports are scripted, I don't deny that sometimes um, refs might, you know, they might have an agenda or like certain, maybe certain um, leagues push an agenda. I know that there's fuckery involved in a lot of sports, you know? But the idea that any single sporting event that isn't WWE has a legit script to a T, so now this is going to happen, then they're going to go up by this in this quarter, is the most conspiratorial thing I've ever heard, and if you truly believe that, you're a lunatic. You've absolutely, like, lost your mind, okay? And the reason I bring it up with Jake Paul and Tommy Fury is the script got leaked. They, they right before the fight, they leaked the script of what was supposed to happen in the Tommy Fury-Jake Paul fight, which was supposed to prove that sports are rigged, and not just sports, but this whole uh, YouTuber crossover shit was exposed. Before that, they leaked the script to the Super Bowl, score by score, in every quarter. And the outcome had the Eagles coming on top. The outcome in the Jake Paul fight had Jake Paul coming on top. 
Well, in case you haven't been keeping up, neither of those things happened. So the leaked script doesn't exist. If you ever see the script is out, the script got leaked. I got news for you. There never was one. The script doesn't exist. This whole thought that that pro sports somehow are manufactured is ludicrous. Okay? And I just needed to say that because I've I've ran into a couple of these and they're bogus, okay? Absolute horseshit. In other sports, UFC, I got to talk about John Jones. John Jones completely dominated Cyril Gaon and uh, won exactly the way I thought he was going to win. He won via submission by out-wrestling Cyril Gaon, who has basically zero wrestling ability. And it feels a lot like they kind of, like Gaon was a lamb being led to the slaughter in this case. Because, I mean, John Jones is an amazing grappler. He, he's good on all aspects. But to think he wasn't going to, like, go that route is insane. So, it went exactly the way I thought. Um, does it solidify? I mean, John Jones already was top three greatest of all time, for sure. And so, he's definitely, nothing will change that. Even if he, now, they've already set up for him to fight Stipe Miocic soon, which is awesome. I'm stoked about that. And uh, that, I think that will be the ultimate proving ground to determine whether he is the undeniable single greatest of all time. Because GSP's up there for sure. Anderson Silva's up there. Demetrius Johnson. Jose Aldo. Like, there's some good fighters out there. It'd be hard-pressed for me not to say that, that Jones is already the best. But if he beats Stipe, it ultimately solidifies him as the best. And if Stipe beats John Jones, Stipe undeniably is the greatest heavyweight of all time. He already they've already said he is. Like, and I agree with that. He already is like the most dominant heavyweight of all time. But it would solidify it. So that fight is way more intriguing than this last fight, especially because Stipe is going to be a challenge for John. And John is going to be a challenge for Stipe. So yeah, uh, those were some pretty good fights. Um, wasn't impressed with with uh, Rio Sabinas this last time. I th- just the service was not very good. And it didn't help that it was a really busy night. A lot of people wanted to see that fight. So I, I won't hold it against him. But it kind of took down the mood of the fight a little bit. But what do you do? You know? We still had fun. We still had a good time. And now, this week, we got Leon Edwards versus Usman 3. Oh, real quick, I gotta say this. I I put a five-fight parlay on last week's fights. Uh, a five-fight parlay, 20 bucks, only was gonna pay out, like, 60 bucks. It was a, it was a, for five fights? I mean, I, sh- I thought it would at least get me six, or uh, get a hundred. It would at least get me a hundred bucks. But, I picked a lot of heavy favorites. Okay. I picked John Jones. I picked Bo Nickel. Those were heavy favorites. 
I would have loved to pick both John Jones and Bo Nickel to win by submission in the first round, which is exactly what I thought was going to happen. And if I had done both of those things, I bet you I would have made shit ton of money. Like it would have been if 20 bucks on both those probably would have got me over 200 bucks, over 200 bucks. Cause those are, those are low odds, but the machine wouldn't let me do it. So I was pissed about that. So instead I did a five fight parlay. I just wanted to get back in the win column. Okay. That was my thought. My thought was just get me back in the win column. I'll just pick a lot of favorites. I'll, I'll collect double. I'll basically double my money and we'll call it a night. Well, the one, the, I won four out of five. And the one that I lost had the highest odds of winning. And that, of course, was Valentina Shevchenko. She was, like, the most guaranteed to win. Maybe besides Bo Nickel. And she lost. So my guaranteed parlay wasn't so guaranteed. And though you, you'll, though you would think I learned my lesson, I did not. So I put another parlay down this week. We got Usman versus Edwards two or three for the title. We got Gaethje versus Fazeev. That's going to be a great fight. Honestly, a great card all around. But yes, I did another five-fight parlay. This one pays out a little more. So we will see. Probably going to lose just based on luck. What do you do, though? It's going to be good. It'll be good fights. There's some good fights tonight, too. Piotr Jan versus Marab Delishwele. I don't know how to say his name. Um, so, let's move on. Um, so, you know how, if you're, if you're a frequent follower of this podcast, you would know, a little over a year ago, I was really, de- maybe it was even less than a year ago, I don't remember. But man, I was really dealing with some existential crises of the fear of death. Like, I was really concerned. Like, it it was just, like, constantly on my mind. I was, like, just full fear mode of the thought of dying or afterlife. Things like that. Like, it really consumed me for a while. It made me kind of depressed. And late, and I, I've I've moved past that. Like I'm I'm well moved on from that. But lately, I have had existential dread about everybody else. Like if if a guy, if one of our guys from work calls off or like doesn't like if I don't hear if they don't show up to work and I don't hear from them for like two hours, I'm like almost confident they died. Like, my, my brain immediately goes to, oh, they, they were out drinking last night and they got killed in an accident. Or they died in their sleep. Or, you know, they fell. And something like that. If I don't hear from my mom for more than two days, I'm, I'm, I'm freaking out. You know, and then I'll go to call her and she won't answer her phone because she can't find it or it's on silent mode for no reason. And I'm like, fuck. Like, where's mom? What's going on with mom? Because she's older, right? And so I've just been, I've had this overwhelming sense of dread for everybody else. Like, it's not all the time. I'm not constantly thinking about this. So it's not, like, overly stressful to me. But 
it's just, it's, it's like I said, if I don't hear from somebody for a long time, I start getting concerned. Maybe it's not always death in my head, but it's, I, I just have this overwhelming concern for other people all of a sudden. Like, here's, a, here's an example. Somebody died on the train tracks downtown fairly recently. It definitely doesn't help, too, that people are just dying all over the place here in town. Just random murders or random people showing up dead. People getting hit by trains. Shit like that. Like, that doesn't help anything. But they said a guy got run over by a train downtown around 3 or 4 a.m. One night. And my and Aaron, my cousin Aaron, lives right down there. So my brain immediately goes to fuck. He was drunk downtown. He passed out, or he like slipped and fell on the train tracks, and he's dead. So, Im- like immediately, my brain just went to that. It was like I hope it wasn't Aaron, and like I'm freaking out. So I need to like get a hold of him as soon as possible to make sure he's not dead on the train tracks. <sighs> I mean. It feels better to be concerned about other people because it makes me feel less like a piece of shit because I'm not feeling like an absolute narcissist worrying about my own death. Nonetheless, stressful. Stressful to think about other people dying. Who'd have thought, right? Um, a funny note I want to bring up too. So the other night, I went to one of my mom's... Uh, my mom has been going to... Uh, addiction counseling or classes for um, addiction and things like that. And they had a family night the other night where your family was supposed to come and learn different things, right? Uh, Or learn about um, enabling, things like that. Well, first of all, I never really thought about my mom as an addict, even though after hearing some things, it's very clear that she is or was, or has an addictive personality. And so, it's hard for me to sit in a situation like that, hearing all these things, and thinking all this shit, you know? And I've never been an enabler. I've been the absolute opposite of an enabler in the past. Um, maybe now I'm a little bit more of an enabler to certain extents, but not to the extent of, of full-blown um, like alcoholism or... Or, uh, like, drug addiction. I would never enable that. And I never have. So I'm sitting here in this class, like, hearing everybody's insane stories. Like, this one girl was talking about how, you know, she was in sex trafficking. And, like, it was wild shit. And I'm sitting here, like, thinking, damn, dude, like, my life is pee-fucking-chi compared to these people. And then they come around to me and ask me, like... How have I enabled in the past? And I'm just like, you know, I'm pretty decent at public speaking. And I'm pretty decent at, like, I've gotten comfortable with it. But, dude, I wanted to just hide away. I did not want to talk to anybody in there. First of all, probably because it's, like, confronting the reality that, you know, I come from an an addictive household. And so that's some therapy I need to go through. I need to like open up about that shit because clearly there's some closed doors on that. It's just one of those things that I just do not want to talk about. I have no interest in opening those doors, but I probably should because it'd probably be healthy. Now, the funny part is I got handed a little booklet about the dangers 
of alcohol and the dangers of addiction and, you know, whatever. Like, it, it tells you all this stuff about alcoholism and stuff. <laughs> you know what the first thing I did when I left that meeting? I went and had some beers. <laughs> first of all, I needed them after all those goddamn stories. The second of all, I already had planned on going and watching the Nuggets play and drinking some beers. But it was just funny that I walked away with this booklet on, like, drinking. And then I'm like, this gives me a this gives me a good idea to go have some beverages. So I thought that was funny. Um, one thing that I've found that is a nice stress reliever, or it just kind of takes you out of just any kind of bad feeling is nostalgia. And you know me, you know that I'm a sucker for nostalgia. I absolutely bathe myself in nostalgia. I love diving back into the past, looking back on things from my childhood. And I think a lot of the reason that that is, is because we're instantly transported back to a time when we were children, right? Like you automatically kind of, once you see something or hear music or you hear, you watch a movie or you, you're, you're just like taken back to the mo- to a moment when you were a kid, you're overcome with the feelings that you had as a child. And who is more carefree and has like no cares in the world, have no responsibilities, you know, zero stress than a child, you know? And I I'm not saying that about everybody. I I'm, I'm sure a lot of people had really horrible childhoods that they don't like to revisit. But even myself, like, I grew up with in, in pretty dire situations and stuff. And maybe it was just me being me, liking to block things out and not accept reality. I would just dive into my stuff. Like, I, I just had, I was oblivious. Because I had, other, my, my concerns in the world were what TV show is on. Or, like, where am I going to play? What imagination game am I going to play today? You know? A lot more, let's just say this, if I was in the situations I was as a kid now, I'd be, my hair would have fallen out long ago, okay? So, I wouldn't even have to shave my head, my hair would be gone, and my beard would be white as my skin. You wouldn't even know I had a beard. You'd just think I had a Jay Leno chin. So, uh, nostalgia to me at least this might not be the case for everybody but it, I know that a lot of people do like nostalgia and I do think the reason is is because you're transported back to a time when you had no worries when when you were the freest you've ever been the happiest you've ever been as a child and so I bring this up because just recently I dove into an old series that I thoroughly enjoyed when I was a child. And that series is The Land Before Time. Now, first and foremost, if you think a grown man watching cartoons is childish, you can absolutely kiss my Blarney Stones, okay? Like, I do not give a fuck. Like, if it's, if I'm doing it in a creepy way, okay, yeah, it's a little weird. But, I do it because I want to 
it's just fun. It's fun to look back on things that you experienced as a as a kid. And you know, I I got all I got them all. I got all the movies, okay? And I got a whole shelf full of old ch- like children's movies that I used to watch. Do I watch them all the time? No. But every now and again, yeah, I'll throw one in, just like when you watch old Disney movies, you know? So no judgment from me. I do not think it's childish at all. I think it's one of the most, like, it's just a fun experience, you know? And what's funny about it is you'll go back and watch these movies and realize certain things that you've been doing or saying your whole life and you like kind of just didn't remember where you got it and then you see them in these old shows and movies and you're like, oh shit, that's where I got that. There was several things in the Land Before Time series that I was like, oh, I say that all the time. Like You'll say things a certain way and you're like, that's where I got that. That's why that's stuck in my head. That's why I say that. And it's so funny to like come to that reality. The other thing I'll say about The Land Before Time, the original one, first of all, was produced by George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. And that's pretty impressive, if you ask me. Now, The Land Before Time series as a whole, it, it might be one of the most like teachful old movies, like, teachful children's shows ever. I gotta give my flowers to Don Bluth here for a second, because Don Bluth might be the most underrated cartoon, like, children's movie guy, producer, director, whatever he is, creator, ever. American Tale, Land Before Time, uh, Troll in Central Park, Pebble and the Penguin. Uh, what's the one? Uh, Rock-a-doodle-doo? Is that what's called? A uh, rock something Like, he's... I think... Didn't he do his, uh, Escape from Nim? Or whatever, Nim? He's got banger after banger. These are classic cartoons that nobody remembers. Whenever I talk about them, like, everybody just, like, maybe saw one. I mean, I think Land Before Time is kind of, like, the one that everybody knows. Mostly because it became a longer series, while the rest of them kind of just are staying. Oh, All Dogs Go to Heaven, another banger? But back to Land Before Time itself. First of all, it teaches um, diversity. It teaches, like, essentially racism. Like, that it's, that you can, you can, you don't have to assimilate to one group, right? So, in the show... Uh, you get like the the triceratops who are all they're like we only hang out with us and the god okay I'm gonna call them but the one thing I don't like is that they call them like long necks and sharp tooth you know what I mean I'm going to refer to them as those for this sake because I'm talking about this series but but just understand I never liked that I get it it's for children but I was one of those kids who was infatuated with dinosaurs, as most young boys are. Dinosaurs are a very popular thing for kids. So I was like one of those kids who was like, no, 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 that's a Tyrannosaurus Rex, not a sharp tooth. Because I'd get kids in, in school that called them that. And I'm like, you fucking idiot. That's a, that's a 
a stegosaurus. That's not a spike tail. So that was my one gripe as a kid with this. I understand it. They're dumbing it down for children. So I will, in this case, I will refer to them as those things just for the sake of the movie, okay? So the three horns only hang out with three horns. The long necks only hang out with long necks. But these kids, they all come together and and prove, no, we can all be together. We can all coexist together. So they teach that in this. Um, they teach that, like, you know, just little lessons like sharing and bullying or like bullying is not good. Sharing is good. Um, they, and then they teach the hardest, like the, the most unbelievable lesson that I can't believe was even introduced in a children's show death. Like Don Bluth is the king of dark children's movies. Okay. And so, I mean, he, he does that in all dogs go to heaven does that in, I think American tale. I can't remember. You know, he teaches poverty in American tale, but in the, you know, the, the hardest lesson to teach a child death and boy, oh boy, we'll get to that in a second. But ultimately there's a lot of really good lessons. <laughs> One to the least of which is not the fact that like how many times Littlefoot and the rest of them almost die is almost uncountable because they're just the one lesson that they teach in this that is not good is that it's okay to go on to go off by yourself as a child and try and solve problems by yourself without adult supervision because that's what happens in every single one of these movies. And it's <laughs> it's rather dangerous. So, um but yes. So, what I'm going to do is I am going to rank Every Land Before Time movie, one through seven, I know there's more beyond that, but the reason I do seven is A, those are the only ones I have, and B, they were the only ones I ever watched as a kid. I never went beyond seven, and I, and I just realized why. <laughs> I think, honestly, the reason I didn't go beyond seven is because I had aged out at that point. By the time seven came out, I was kind of aged out of it. So I think that was the main reason I didn't watch but also because seven sucks. And also, like I said, because they're the only ones I have to actually have looked back on. So, as you may have already guessed, number seven is episode seven. Episode seven, uh, The Stone of Cold Fire. This one revolves around... Uh, and by the way, I should, ulti- I should just like immediately apologize to anybody who has no idea what I'm talking about. I do highly recommend you at least watch the first one because I do think the first one is the most adult, like, consumable. I think an adult could consume this easily. The rest of them are a bit childish. Like, they, the other ones have, they're more musical. They're more whimsy. This one, the first one is dark as shit. There's no music. It's sad as shit like this one's a banger this is a gold medal the rest of them they're fun to watch but if you have children yeah i highly recommend them but um other than that i do apologize if you have zero clue what i'm talking about it's the reason i saved this sec this part of it 
for the end because if you made it this far, I understand if you shut it off. But I'm still going to talk about it anyway because my show. So number seven, Stone of Cold Fire. And I'm, I'm going to refer to things that you might not understand and I don't care. You'll, you'll like it if you do. Petrie's uncle is a, they're pterodactyls and they uh, essentially are trying to like, there was a, a comet that lands. I'm, I'm totally just going to spoil these whole movies for you, I guess. But, uh, and he wants to like obtain the magic of this com or of this like asteroid or whatever. It's just, the music kind of sucks. It's, it's whatever. Like the whole episode's kind of just whatever. I, I don't, I, it's a little tragic in some points, but when the payoff at the end is that two of the dinosaurs are aliens, you lost me. You lost me. So that's why it's number seven. Number six is probably going to be episode three, the time of the great giving. This is the episode where there's bullies where there's a, it's like a bully episode and the, the great Valley catches on fire and um, it's, it's just kind of boring. The music is okay in it. Um, it just wasn't, I, I, I thought I liked it more as a kid. It's the one redeeming factor is that there are velociraptors in this, which I was actually pretty stoked about, but they don't really like, maintain a huge threat it is kind of fun to look back and see that they actually did add a pretty good variety of dinosaurs throughout the series which was kind of cool number uh what am i on five the fifth best one i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with the secret of saurus rock okay and the reason I say that is because I actually pretty much those two are like the only ones that aren't really worth watching. The Secret of Source Rock is actually pretty good. I like the the music and it's good. The story's pretty decent. Um, not a tremendously great climax, but it's it's good overall. Um, it's he's dealing with like understanding like heroism and stuff like that. Uh, let's see. Number four is going to be episode four, Journey Through the Mists. And the only reason that one's not higher, like, that was one that I th- I th- thought I hated when I was a kid. I, like, I, I just never liked that one. After watching it as an adult, um, much better story. Like, he's he's trying to save his grandpa from dying, first of all. You add, like, a girl Littlefoot to it, which is kind of fun. I didn't like the villains as much. The music sucks. Like, the music is is almost too unbearable. But the reason it's where it's at is because it involves the greatest character ever introduced in any of the Land Before Times, and that is Tickles the Mouse, okay? I'm not going to explain who Tickles the Mouse is. You just got to go watch and understand why he is the greatest character in all of Land Before Times. Uh, number three is the time of the, or no, 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 sorry, is the Great Valley Adventure. That's episode two. The only reason I put that as high as it is is because it's so nostalgic for me. It's almost more nostalgic than the first one because I think I watched that one the most. Music's good. Introduces Chomper. 
Like it's the first one in like what was what ended up becoming the actual series, the whimsy, the musical stuff, all of that. And like you get a lot of sharp tooth action, which who's going to be pissed about that? It's pretty sweet. Episode the the second best one of all time is number 5, Journey to or uh The Mysterious Island. If you're familiar with Land Before Time, you'll know this as the one where they go to the big water. Best music of any of them. All of its bangers. Ton of sharp tooth action. You get the... It's the first episode where they actually... It took them five. Five of them before they actually start, like, making recognition of the past episodes. So they talk about... uh, They reflect on... They bring back Chomper, okay? So they bring back Chomper. They talk about that. They reflect on, like, it's the first time Littlefoot, like, reflects on his mother from episode one. Like, it's, it's the only, it's the first episode where they actually, like, recognize the timeline. And, of course, number one, it wasn't even, it wasn't even remotely close, is episode one. The very first one. So dark. The one knock I'll give to it, and I love that old school animation. I really like that. Don Bluth style animation because after and all the other ones it's it's a different type of animation but I just love the graininess the raw old school animation style the one knock I'll give to it is like the 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 not the flow but it just seems kind of choppy I guess and I feel like it could have flowed a little better. I love everything they do in it, and I love the direction they go. I just thought it could have flowed a little better. It seems a little choppy. Like, all of a sudden, they they meet each other, and then they're just best friends immediately. Like, they could have had a little bit more adversity with that. Um, But Jesus Christ, as a kid, you see that goddamn sharp tooth, you're having nightmares about it. Like, it's terrifying. Not to mention, Bambi... Like, this movie has nothing on Bambi. Like, or no, sorry. Bambi has nothing on this movie. Not an ounce. I can't. I can't not choke up in this movie. And and sorry if it's a spoiler. This movie's been out for fucking 30 years, so... It's not that much of a spoiler. Littlefoot's mother dies. And it might be the absolute most heartbreaking thing that's ever been in a children's movie. Ever. I don't get... Like, you can argue with me to the death. I don't... Fuck off with Up. Fuck off with uh, Inside Out or Toy Story. Get the fuck out of here, okay? Littlefoot sits... With his mother in the rain as she dies in front of him after she just saved his life. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not even fucking with you. I'm almost getting choked up talking about it right now. It is so goddamn sad and tragic. It's, it's, it's not even close. There's no equivalent whatsoever. Like, yes, I understand Bambi's mother dies. She, he, she does not die in front of him. He does not have to witness her death. She, the, mm, the words she says to him 
as she's dying are fucking so moving, dude. And like, and she comes back and talks to him through her spirit and stuff. Like she talks about how she'll always be in his heart. Dude, it's so fucking sad. But it's that's why I think I like it so much because it's so moving as a ch- as a children's movie. It like moves you. It makes you feel something. And then all these kids are like the fact that it's so dark and gritty and they're like trying to survive. And the narrator is just banging it home that like if they don't get back to if they don't b- get back to their family, the circle of life will not continue. Like their their family ties are done and like talking about and just they beat your head against the wall with the fact that Littlefoot's mom is dead. And, like, he's going through, like, depression and shit. Dude, it is... <laughs> I wouldn't even show that one to your kids, honestly. Like, they don't need to watch that one. Like, it's a, it's a good lesson. and But, dude, it is harrowing. Like, it will... You will be answering a lot of questions to your kids for that movie. I'm not even kidding. But for you, as an adult, 100% should watch. And then at the end, you know, they, it's the most uplifting, like it's, it's bright, it's colorful. They're all happy together. And just the way it goes out on that song, I could have cried at that too. I could (sighs) have. So with that being said, go watch the land before time. I don't give a fuck if you think it's childish or not. Kiss my Blarney stones on that one. But with that, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for watching another episode here. Like I said, go check out last week's with the old ones. It was a great episode. Like, share, subscribe, do all that stuff. Hey, if you're going out this St. Patrick's Day, whether it's Friday or Saturday, please be safe, be responsible, look out for one another, but most importantly, have fun. Have a good time. Let's enjoy the Irish Let's enjoy the spirit of the Irishman. And uh, overall, most importantly, don't forget, life's a garden. Dig it. You've got to keep on going.